Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship, and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social, and economic renewal in our immediate communities. And as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. Welcome once again to another session of Business Garage here at Worship Harvest. And this one is extra, extra special. If you really love someone, I want you to invite them to tune in right now. Missional leaders in Worship Harvest, this is a clarion call. I am calling upon you. Tune in. You want to hear this story? You want to be challenged? You're going to find solutions to some of our frontiers that we are struggling with. So missional leaders, zonal pastors, friends, business leaders, tune in. Share the link. I want you to take a moment right now, if you hadn't yet shared this link, and share it on every one of your social media platforms because it's about to get extremely inspiring and challenging in here at Business Garage. So we've begun a new month, and with this new month as Worship Harvest, we are focusing on others. We are talking about others in business garage, in our main garages, everywhere. We are talking about others. And so this entire month, we are going to be hosting social entrepreneurs, people with big hearts and who are able to also open their pockets to be able to make money while changing lives significantly through social enterprise. And I'm very excited to be hosting business garage this entire month with the amazing I I don't know what to call him. Is he supposed to be pastor? No, director. Okay, for now, for now. Director Grace Munira. You know him, you love him at Business Garage. Can you say hi to the people? Thank you very much, Pastor B3. It's an honor and a privilege to be here. Oh, I'm looking forward to some books you're going to drop and extra wisdom. No problem. No problem. Yeah, (laughs) we expect it. It's a good expectation. And my name is B3, so we'll be hosting together. And what a privilege to be starting off with. We've had a little bit of the story, and we're already like, what is this? And so I'd like you to make welcome for the first time, and I'm sure not the last time, Emmanuel Trinity from Era 92 Creative. Don't be deceived by this humble demeanor. You are about to be completely amazed. You are ready, eh? And so we don't want to waste any time because the story is amazing. The time is little and it's going to be fantastic. So YouTube, our audience on YouTube who are joining us, remember you can interact with us. I'm not so sure if we will have time to answer many of your questions, but still go ahead. Speak to us, give us questions, interact with us. And if we have the time, we will definitely be asking the questions that you're asking. So Emmanuel, I'm going to start right away asking you to tell us a little bit about yourself. I don't know if it's a little bit. Tell us the story. Tell um, us, dive into it immediately. Um, thank you so much. Uh, first of all, I'm so humbled to be here. As someone who has been watching Business Garage, uh, this is something that is so big to me. Yeah. So thank you. Um, I'll go uh, right away into my first story. First, send greetings. Oh, okay. Gospel <laughs> <of all> people. <laughs> yes, uh, right away I'll send greetings to uh, the Era 92 family. Uh, wherever you are, wherever you're tuned in, I love you so much. The Kosovo people, I love you so much. This story is about you and it's going to be inspiring you uh, and whoever is watching from Kosovo. My mom and Levikson out there, I know you're watching, so uh, I dedicate this to you. 
Um, yes, uh, my story, as I've been talking about Kosovo, uh, my, my story starts in, in 1992 um, when my mom was abused at the age of 17. And when she got pregnant, she was sent from her family to go and find the father of the son. And that was me. So three months old, my mom left Mpg district and she migrated to the city. And when she came to the city, my mom uh, didn't have money. She had only one lesu on her, you know lesus? And that's what she used to protect me uh, through the coldness. My mom ended up coming to Kosovo um, because she had no money. That's where she could afford a house of 5,000 Ugandan shillings during that time. And when she went to Kosovo, Kosovo was one of the terrible slums during that time. We were supposed to be in our homes by 5 p.m. We could see dead bodies in the morning. There were thousands and thousands of shrines. People were doing witchcraft. And there were thousands of gangs that uh, were fighting each and every day. So because my mom didn't have money to put me through school, I had to be a kid that was playing around the community. I wasn't going to school. I had to do all the things that the slums were throwing to us. Yeah. My mom did all the casual jobs, selling charcoal, you know, uh, delivering food at a restaurant, until she was able to raise some money to put me through school. So my mom recently had, uh, on, the, on radio, she had this radio ad that was advertising a school for 30,000 shillings per year. And my mom was super excited that she could afford uh, this school. And she invited other, Did you know... Did you say 30,000 shillings per yes, year? Yes, please, yes. <laughs> the, the school was called Insumba Primary School. <laughs> and okay. so... When my mom was super excited, she brought in other women to bring her kids who weren't in school. And all seven kids were gathered and were sent to the school. And when they, as we reached school like this, uh, the, the people, uh, the, the, the headmaster, headmaster. <laughs> Let's call him a headmaster I think for so. now. <laughs> they say, if you pick your kid in December. What a shock. Yes. And so when we were dropped, um, we were shocked. But when my mom left like this, the, the signage that I read after was, this is a school of neglected, abused street children. And so just the first day of my school, everything down to the shoes on my feet was stolen. Wow. The school <laughs> had no beds, and we never entered class, not even once. And so... This is the school where they used to pick um, this is the school where they used to pick street children from the streets and they, they dropped them there. And uh, all the vices that were in this school were unbearable. And sadly enough, the seven boys that I left with, four of them lost their lives in the first four months. Um, we had to fetch firewood to get food. I don't know many of you if you know Mpengere. This is maize and maize and beans that being stuck together. Lots of kawokumi, everything. I was malnourished in the first six months. My hair was brown and my mom didn't know anything about it. <sighs> yeah, um, to cut the, the, the long story short, 
I was able to survive until December. Hmm. By God's grace, one of the sad days of my life is when many of, my, many of the parents who had come to pick their, 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 their children in December 3rd, they couldn't see some of them because they were already buried in the bush. Yes. My mom picked me. We went back home. But I wasn't a normal kid anymore, and I couldn't settle in. I ran away from home for the, for the first day because I used to sleep in the bush. And that's the same life that was happening in Kosovo. So what was happening in Kosovo is the same stuff, street children and stuff like that. And then that's when I met my friend Levickson. At the age of eight, we met because our houses were close to each other. Just the trench was separating us. And that's when we got connected. Levickson was also doing his own stuff on the streets. <laughs> <laughs> we connected. We became best friends. We were very smart kids, doing all sorts of creative stuff. And that's how we joined the streets. Our parents used to look for us, but they couldn't find us. And so we were on the streets for four years, between the age of nine and 13 years, until one big moment happened for us. One of the turning points for us was when one of our gang leaders, because on the street we had to be part of the gangs, and one of the gang leaders um, that was leading our gang of 13 boys, called B13, was stoned to death. <laughs> ah, B13. Yes. I'm, I'm somehow there in that gang. <laughs> Yes. Um, when our friend was stoned to death, uh, sadly, um, we couldn't do this anymore. We wanted a new life. And so we went hiding on that same day, and the community was looking for us. And that's when a miracle happened for us. Uh, a group of missionaries had come from Northern Ireland, who were 13 years, and it was called Fields of Life, and they had come to build a school of, 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 for street children in Islam. And the school was going to be called Treasured Kids. And on the day of our rescue, one of the ladies who had come to rescue us from the slums, the pastor told them, these are the boys that I want to be part of the school. This is Sam and this is Emma. And uh, when they picked us, one of the ladies knew it's very, it was very hard to transform street children. Mm -hmm. So she asked us one important question. She asked me, what's one thing that we can give you, Sam and Emma, that you never go back on the streets? And so I knew exactly what I wanted. I was stealing to get a computer. I hadn't stolen a computer at that time. But wow. God brought a computer through this lady. And on the next day, they gave me the computer. Levickson asked for musical instruments of so course. that he could sing. And he got his musical instruments. On that same night, we gave our lives to Christ at a crusade. Wow. And Others. And when, when that happened, transformation happened. One of the things that uh, was preached uh, from the Bible on that same day was a verse from First uh, Peter 4.10 that as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So on that night, I didn't realize that the most important gift that I received was the gift of life. Wow. And I studied 
developing a strong sense of responsibility on why am I existing mm-hmm. on this earth. And so, I was, uh, my life, our transformation did happen in one day. We were on and off in church, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there was porridge, so we had to come every single okay. time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Food. Oh, Food. Yeah. And so, yeah, God started doing his work, and we started becoming this beacon of change in our community while we transformed over 200 street children to church because they had started to see what was happening through our lives. And on the flip side, Levickson was starting to do his music with him. I did a couple of songs with him. And then also I was doing my graphics work. I used this computer to use tutorials online, and I started training myself to become a designer. So I did that for six years, and I was underground. I was on the computer every single night, and I was searching these penny paws, and I fell on one penny paw who was a designer, and he started... <laughs> giving me uh, some tutorials online. Those of guys, some of you who know Penipo. Uh, ah, that pen, if you know a Penipo, don't yeah. put up your hand. Yes. <laughs> you are going to know our age. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's the first time I'm hearing Penipos becoming a good thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah, that Penipo connected me on a platform that was called Behance and I started learning a lot. Mm. And so after six years, I landed another opportunity. They used, Coca-Cola used to bring these uh, talent shows every year to discover ghetto talent mm-hmm. in the slums. And so, on this time, there used to be dancers, musicians, but I had to take my chance. I wanted to present the poster I designed. That, that poster is still on, on Behance. So I designed a mocha poster to show how Coca-Cola can be. It was a, a funny poster, but <laughs> I did it for Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. And so I said, if these guys give me a chance, I want to share this poster. So I got a chance, and I showed the poster. And Levickson was picked and got his chance to go to Fenon Records to record his first Nonyomu song. And I was also discovered and given an opportunity for a paid internship. So I was paid I was, as I was learning yes. with one of the agencies that was working with the Moringa during that time. Wow. I, when that happened, I had some money in my pockets. Wow. I couldn't live in the slums. So yeah. I got my first house out of the slums. Wow. Um, it wasn't so much. Levickson and I were renting a house for 70,000 Ugandan shillings. But it was out but it of was the better. slums. It, was, it, was, it wasn't flooding every night. And, yes. <laughs> and that was a very big, big breakthrough for us. And... During that time, because of the structure of the slums, we were so connected to so many young people in the slums. And now we had disconnected from them. And we knew them by name. Mm. And realized that as our lives are continuing to transform, their lives are continuing to end up in prison. And the worst of all, death. death. And we, we started to think this is wrong. We need to do something about it because yeah. of the blessings had. So on one day, Levickson and I were seated and we were trying to think, what can we do to bless the community? Yes. And that's when the verse came back to us, that we have received so much gifts, the gift of life, the gift of business, the gift of creativity, music. How can we now use it to bless the community? We had a strong sense on our existence uh, on earth and the days we were born and stuff like that. So we were talking and say why don't we start an organization called 92 Hands? And so Levickson and I, because we were born in 1992, 
we join hands and we form this movement of young people called 92 Hands. Wow. And we started feeding people in the community. We started helping our single mothers who had Go, who are going through the same problems like our mothers yes. went through. We started helping kids who, are going, who, are never go, who, are, who aren't going to school. And through that organization alone, we're able to feed at least 10,000 people to date. Wow. We, have, uh, we have helped at least 1,500 women start their own small businesses in slums of Kosovo and Katanga. We are having over 100 children in school right now. Wow. And that was our way of giving back to the community yeah. but we had a strong sense that we never wanted to start another charity really to focus on that because one of the things that were happening on the streets is that when people came they used to give us food and clothes but we stayed on the streets yeah. so we had to figure out how can we actually help young people cross over there's one thing that i believe in right now that brilliance is equally distributed but opportunity is not. Just repeat that. Yeah. Repeat that. Repeat it, please. <laughs> Brilliance is equally distributed, but opportunity is not. Wow. That's the reason why people say there is a lot of talent in the ghetto. Because, yes, young people are talented over there, but they don't have the opportunities that other people have. And so that statement alone started roaming in my life, and I started... How can I replicate how my life transformed? Yes. And so I drew a roadmap on how my life transformed from the day that I was rescued. What are the few fundamental things that really influenced my change? Yeah. So I realized there was God, there was uh, the, the tools that I needed. Uh -huh. I was given a computer. And even though I had that computer, I had the skills. I was six months, six years in the slums and no one knew my craft. So there was a disconnect of access to an opportunity. Mm -hmm until I got that opportunity through when I was discovered. Yes. And so, during that time when I finished my internship, I, was, I got a job at Spirit FM. Mm -hmm. And I was a designer at Spirit FM for many years. And that's when I, I said, okay, now I need to go and help other young people get into the skills that I have. Mm -hmm. So, I told my boss at Spirit FM, okay, this money you're giving me, can we transform into an office space? And I told the, 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 uh, Mr. Tim Sabiti, thank you so much wherever you are. He said, I support you. I believe in what you're doing. He gave me an, an office space where I could train young people and also run my business. Wow. And that's how Era 92 Creative started. Wow. So I started with four young girls, and one of them was called Megan. And um, Megan's story was... Uh, is still a big story for us because Megan was, you know, at the verge of doing so many bad things because the, pa she, the, the father who was taking care of the family had a sick backbone and uh, he couldn't build and he was the one providing for the family. Now this girl who, who was about 18 years was left with the responsibility to carry on and take care of the family. Mm. But Megan didn't have a job. She, didn't have, she wasn't in school, and she didn't have money to go to the university. So I told Megan if you could come with other three girls. So Megan joined me and other, three, and other two girls and one boy, and I started my first training. Wow. So what struck me that after four months, these girls were smarter than I. <laughs> <laughs> they, Megan was so smart, she captured everything, and within four months, 
she could design a WordPress and Drupal website on her own. Wow. And that gave me the confidence that I can, I, I can actually build a business around it. Yeah. So she became my first employee and other two boys, wise man. And we started a company like that, working at Spirit FM and serving other clients. And so after that, we started doing trainings for the kids, 100 kids. And to date, we recently graduated 200 young people. And into, together, we've created at least 1,700 skilled jobs. 1,700 skilled jobs have been created. Thank you so much. Thank you. We're having 60 employees right now. 60. And uh, we've created other six social businesses that are also creating jobs. Right now, we're on a mission to create 10,000 skilled jobs in the next five years. And my lifetime goal as Era 92 and Trinity, I want to contribute to the creation of 10 million jobs in my, in my lifetime. And you will. And this is because of one thing. In Uganda particularly and Africa, we have one of the youngest and fastest growing population. This is true. And when you look at our landscape, the, we are not creating jobs as fast mm -hmm. enough. As the population, as the population is growing. Is growing. Yes. And so this could be a blessing or a curse. And as it looks right now, we are sitting on a tick timing bomb not only for Africa, not only for Uganda, but for the entire world. It's projected at least by 2050, one billion young people will need jobs in Africa. We'll have the biggest uh, population by the entire world. And if that energy is not put into positive energy, <laughs> you can see the very, chaos we are looking very bad at. Energy, yes. We'll see riots, we'll see lots of bad stuff happening chaos. to us. And so in a nutshell, that's my story. Ish. 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 What a story. Director Grace, talk to us. Ask some good questions. Eh. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you so much. Who inspires you? Wow. <laughs> and you speak nice English. It's true. Very, very nice English. Um, the Seems internet. you're well-traveled. <laughs> <laughs> Director Chris, are you asking a question? <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> um, I don't know. I have, um, I have several mentors um, mm -hmm. yeah, for every aspect of my life. So, Share some. Um, yes. Um, for my ministry mentor, uh, I have a person called Scott Harrison. And this is the founder of Charity Water. It's oh. a very big organization. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, that is someone that has, insp uh, that has inspired me and dedicated this time in terms of ministry yes. and stuff like that. Um, our finances, these are people that are, you know, uh, are online. Uh, spiritually, I have uh, a friend of mine uh, from Northern Ireland uh, who leads me through my spiritual journey. And so, yeah, different mentors. And uh, also, spiritually, I have one of my friends and mentors called Annabelle. Nakiwiri uh, Sewachije. Hey, Pastor Annabelle. Yes. yes. 
Uh, she, she, she inspires me a lot, and uh, I, I got to know her, and she's been part of this journey uh, with me. Uh, wow. Then. What I find really amazing about this story is, of course, the story of God's rescue and God turning something that could have been, because it begins with abuse for your mother, and so, and, and, and out of that, something really beautiful has come, not only in your life, but in the lives of thousands and eventually millions of others. And so many people, like me, like you, and many Ugandans, I find that we are generally big-hearted people. And even the people who are watching us online who are not Ugandan, you find that many poor entrepreneurs also at heart, they desire to change society. But many times it feels like, to change, like you have to have either or. Like you either are going to be a business person who is making money and making a profit or you're going to be a person who runs a charity and social enterprise and give up on the opportunity to also make money while at it. And maybe as the people are listening, they are thinking, oh, you know, he's running these really good social charities, NGOs. So I want you to speak into that because earlier when I asked you, are you profitable? And you were like, oh, yes, from the very beginning we've been profitable. So if you could speak a little bit into... Um, what has happened for you in terms of, is there even, a, is there a clash in, in any way that, is, is there a problem with me making money while helping people's lives completely turn around and how have you been able to, to be profitable while changing lives? Earlier on you made a statement when we were speaking, you said that you are here to give a hand up, not handouts to people and that you're not giving charity but you're giving work. So if you can speak to us, because at Worship Harvest, we're very passionate about social uh, change and, and, you know, social economic renewal, renewal in our communities. But sometimes it's that that's where it ends. Like there's no opportunity for me in it. Mm. So I know it's a long question, but I know you've understood it. Yeah, it's a very uh, long one. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for comforting me. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I mean, the first thing I believe in, and I would tell social entrepreneurs, there is this thin line of uh, you being a social entrepreneur and running a non-profit. Yeah. It's a confusing uh, space because you could think, oh, I'm, in the, uh, I'm running a social enterprise. Um, let me run it, run it as a non-profit. No. No. As social entrepreneurs, we have more burden than a a more streamlined businessman mm -hmm. and when you look at our landscape we have millions of businessmen and but we don't have enough real typical social entrepreneurs mm -hmm. so let me dig in as a social entrepreneur you have to make a profit to make an impact come on say it again ah. and um most people have that kind of emotion and, uh, oh, yeah, we are helping people. No, you're running a business to help people. The only interesting thing about it that if you're a social entrepreneur, you're starting with a problem at first. You're starting with a problem in the society and then build a business around it. Uh -huh. Start with the problem, but build a business around it. Yes. Okay. And so... As social entrepreneurs, that's one burden. You have to make it profitable. And then, if you have stakeholders within this social enterprise, you have to share them the impact. Mm -hmm. So, 
when I started out as era 92, <clears throat> had this burden, like, how, how, uh, until when are you going to have enough talent in the pipeline? Because young people could graduate, but they could still take a long time to get good so that they can deliver world-class services. Mm -hmm. Because right now, 90% of our clients are in the U.S. and the U.K. Wow. So we had to make sure that the, the talent that we are training can be able to compete uh, or do websites or work for people in the U.S. and the U.K. So we had that burden that as a social enterprise, as a social entrepreneur, you have to be patient mm. enough because you're, 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 you're solving a, a big problem yes. that has... Uh, problems rooted deeply in the society and so we, we had to be patient, patient enough and then um, the other thing that I could talk about would be um, do all the things that have to be done in the business the finances have to be kept well mm -hmm. um, um, the, the, the leadership mm -hmm. of the business all the things that you talk about on, 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 on a on business garage, mm -hmm. they have to be implemented, but then added a charity on it, added wow. place to help people. Wow. <laughs> so, so um, don't you find challenges? Many, many. <laughs> I mean, do you sleep? <laughs> I try. <laughs> I try. He tries. Yeah, yeah I try. Yes. Because from what you're describing, I'm seeing a huge um, challenge on your hands. So when you get in, how do you attract your clients, the ones who pay? Um, right now, our business has been grow growing organically by word of mouth. And uh, we also have marketing campaigns. Uh, which we call uh, give work, not aid. And so part of the problem we are solving is um, this problem of outsourcing. So the, in lines of the jobs that you want to create, the messaging that you are creating is that uh, millions of companies have been outsourcing to India, China. Mm. But that is not happening to Africa. So we are left out, we are, we are falling far apart in terms of participating in this global economy. So when I travel a lot to go and just tell the Westerners, the people in the U.S. that if you're, work, if you're thinking about working in Africa, think about bringing your work and investments to Africa, not aid. Yes. And that has worked out well for us. Yeah. So I don't ask for donations as much. I say, I go to a company and say, give us work. And then, because of our story and the impact we've created, that has worked really well for us. And that's I, how we got to I could tell you, troubled. Yeah. Work not aid. I really love it. Another question that comes to my mind is, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a social worker by training. And so I have, yes, and I had an opportunity to work with restoring street kids from the streets back into community. Very difficult. Very hard job. Um, I worked with an organization, and many of them would end up either back on the street or it was very difficult, even when we were, had studied these things and, and all. And so I'm very curious about the process, that because you're still going to the slums to, to get these children uh, who, had, who share the same story that you had, and you're turning them around to be able to compete in one year. Mm. 
<laughs> that's a hard hard task mm. on the world stage of course earlier on i realized that for you it was the opposite you came yes you were in the slum but you were not a street child but you went to a school we really shouldn't call it that and came out as a street child when you when you came out now how do how what what give us some of that what are some of the processes that you take these children through these young people through for one year because just hearing a bit of that i think would be very helpful for us to know that what what we had, what can we do as we are pursuing social enterprise because we are mostly dealing with people who it's something that's embedded in them for years you're trying to undo it and then make them empowered and so what are some of the the core principles that you go through with these young people that because you've had eight graduations and so what are some of those core principles uh yeah i try not to make it hard and <laughs> yeah. as social workers we have this problem emotions first yeah. so <laughs> emotions first what that helps you do is that you say we see a need i see this person is hungry i know where to get the food let's raise the food and let's provide the food mm-hmm. that's it you look at the, the, this person at their current state yeah so but what we have to do is look at the potential yes so when you find these boys and girls in the slums most of the thing that we need to ask is not what they need now mm-hmm. they will tell you clothes and of food course, yeah. yes but my point that i'm trying to drive to is the aspirations okay. that each and every one in the slums when you sit down with them they have aspirations yeah they have dreams they have big things that they want to achieve mm-hmm. but they're hidden and covered um with these problems they have yes and it's very hard to scratch that surface and go deep in, in them because for you you're running a campaign you want to serve and say oh we have helped 10,000 people with food right? right we go back into the slums we recruit these young people with the model that i reflected on my life so our model is identify mm-hmm. skill mm-hmm. place and finance say that again we identify young people from the slums mm-hmm. who have different talents we bring them to our center yes when they come to our center they are exposed mm-hmm. to different things we don't impose solutions to them uh-huh. oh you come and start tailoring you come and start that's what we do as social workers we bring these programs we think that they're going to help people and we put them in the place and then bring those people and then put them to a place do this So once we bring these young people we ask them what are your aspirations we show them different videos and we tap into their aspirations and their dreams and one that's where the magic happens yeah for one month we are doing that and after that one month we started identifying this person is a creative this person is this this person is this and then after that we say if you want to look at these things which one do you want to choose yes and they choose and when even they do that we tell them if you choose coding and after two months you're tired of it you it's burning your brain cells cross over to art <laughs> <laughs> and we've seen young people change from um coding to video editing and they thrive wow so i mean the way our lives are structured once we tap into our passion the rest is easy once someone finds the passion the rest is you're not going to help them so much 
And so what we do and our motto is just to set these young people on a career path yes. that they are passionate about, that they can do anything yes. to achieve. And once we did that, we've been able to at least have 90% um, success rate of our young wow. people. They stay in the program, and even right now we graduated young people, they are still at the center over the weekends, during the week, and some of them live at 10 p.m. Wow. Oh, my goodness. I need to ask this question. <laughs> <laughs> you are visionary. You are passionate. You've had quite an experience. Are you married? Hey, Director Grace. Oh, yeah, that's a very... <laughs> That's a very nice question. Very nice. nice. Yeah. Very nice. Oh, I, I, I am answering someone's yes. pain. Oh, you're, you're answering. Okay. Uh, um, I mean, um, yeah, the journey has been um, so tough. I would, I would say. So tough in the way that, uh, you know, for people who know me, they've seen how dedicated I've been to the craft. And so, even though uh, I know for me to be in a relationship... I have to be, to dedicate time to it. Uh-huh. And so previously that has been hard. But as I can say right now, I'm looking at someone. Hey! His look, he has identified. Yes. He's yes. about to skill and place. Yeah. Come on now. Exactly, exactly, yes. <laughs> wow. Um, I need to also ask, um, when you look at, you know, your company, how do you keep the balance between maybe, you know, I'm thinking the, 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 the balance between the social part and the economic part. Don't you get pulled towards, you know, just doing things for, uh, for that are social and then sometimes aren't you tempted to just be pulled to do things that are profit and less social? How do you keep that balance and, and focus? Yes, um, we had to um, run them separately. So we set up different organizations for each. So we have Era Needed to Elevate. That's the academy. Okay. We have Era Needed to Creative. That's the business side. They are in different buildings. The operations are different. Okay. Uh, we have Era Needed to Fund, which is a finance bit. Because one of the young people, once the, our young people come through our programs, some of the times they didn't they don't have money to get the first computer. Uh-huh. So we have things like asset financing where they can access their first computer on credit. As, I, as they work, they pay, they pay. So that's what I need to fund. Wow. <laughs> Guys, this is so... I feel like we need another... We need him to come back and we ask more questions, right? I'm very curious about the, uh, the academy where you're training and skilling these young people. Do they pay for this? No, 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 it's pre- free completely. So how do you keep them inspired? Because there's the notion that when it's free, people don't stick with it. Because you have 90% success rate. That's some of the things that we, we face out there when we are working with these people. I would say hunger. Like, the, their hunger is the, it's, it's what pays off. And it's a very competitive program. And mm. uh, there are rewards at each and every stage. Yeah, and that's a very good thing because if you're playing a game, it's, a, it's like a game. We try to replicate how games are done so to, to keep the adrenaline going because if they are, we have these short-term gains, you know, help them 
staying on the road rather than having, oh, I'm waiting for a graduation, I'm waiting for this job. So how can we tailor in um, these uh, go- ongoing gains and wins for them and competitions? That's, that's what we can... Add. Do you have one good story? Yes. Tell us. Um, I've told you about Megan. Megan was the first girl that I worked with. And um, right now, Megan has built over 200 websites for wow. companies in the U.S. and the U.K. She's leading a team of four, you know, under her department. Uh, she's working with big companies in the U.K. and the U.S. She has been able to recently get her own apartment. Oh, wow. She's supporting her family. She started a poultry farm with her dad. She's sponsoring two kids of her sister. I mean, this is a girl that would be married off by now. Yes. But right now she's in a career path that is changing generations in her lifeline. What a story. You have really inspired us today, um, Trinity, because... Uh, for, for, to help us start to we've not got into the proper detail of, of this thing, you're going to come back because um, the idea that you can put together social and the economic, that you can help people and still make a profit and there's nothing wrong with that and a lot of others, we've had others in your story others beginning from when some people missionaries came, that's where your story changes and that you've also decided to become a missionary within your nation, which is very powerful. You don't have to go out of the country to become a missionary. They came here on mission and changed your story by helping you come into contact with Jesus, but also with your own dreams and, and, and aspirations. And then you've also had yourself go and become an, about others. You could have said, you know what? I left the ghetto. We figured out our lives. We pray for you guys to also one day have an opportunity. But it has turned around. And so I want some fine closing words uh, from you. What, what, just say something to the people who are watching. We have lots of people watching today and others who are thousands who are going to watch this later. What would you like to say to them as a social entrepreneur? Um, yeah, I mean, I'll, there, there are so many things I would say. But uh, for me, this is a call. I believe uh, social entrepreneurship... Um, itself could really help change so many things in our society. And uh, the fact that we do not have enough of them that are thriving, um, I'd wish to call anyone who is you know, listening in. If you look around yourself right now and you see there is things that you believe they are not right in our society, and you're not comfortable, you're uncomfortable seeing them in our society. I believe the calling of social entrepreneurship is upon your life. And you just have to collect your creativity, your talent, and put those resources to that problem and solve it. Because I would wish to see as many social entrepreneurs as we have businessmen in this country. Director Grace, any closing remarks? You've been very quiet today. Yeah. 
how can I be your friend? <laughs> <laughs> um, from watching the business garage, garage, I also wanted to be your friend. Hey. <laughs> hey, well, I like it. Yeah. For me, I'm already your friend. <laughs> These things of asking, you don't ask, you just yeah. say, this is my friend, yes. Trinity. I need, to, yes. I need to tap into his um, uh, book library. I and know. He, you know. That's also my friend over there who who you know shares books on you know and so we need that community to yeah. grow yes yeah so you're clearly a learner yeah. it's been very inspiring and challenging business garage can you help me celebrate emmanuel trinity and era 92 family wow thank you so much for sharing your story and your journey with us. Thank you so much for joining us. Those of you joining us online, our friends, thank you for joining us. And if you could be seated for a moment, you know, when you hear Trinity's story, everything changed the moment he made a decision to follow Jesus. I believe that it is Jesus who has given him the wisdom, the grace, the desire, the fire to help change lives. And Jesus wants to be a part of your life today. He wants to connect you to your true purpose. He's the one who formed you in your mother's womb and he knew you all together and he formed you and created you with purpose and destiny regardless of your current journey and story. And maybe you're doing well. Maybe you're not doing so well. When he comes in, he's a catalyst. He changes everything. And so we want to give you that opportunity right now to make Jesus Lord of your life and to just walk with him to change your life forever. If that is you and you've never given your life to Jesus, or you've walked with him before and gone off course, I want to give you an opportunity. All you need to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so I'm going to help you through a very quick prayer that you'll pray after me. Just repeat these words after me if that is you. Wherever you are, whether you're in a taxi, in the bathroom, at home, in your home alone, at office, it doesn't matter. Wherever you are, you can make this decision, even under your breath, ever so quietly. Just say, Lord Jesus, today I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I receive your forgiveness for all my sins. I receive your acceptance. I receive you as my father and as my Lord. I give you my life and I receive your life. Take my life. Write my name in the book of life and give me a new beginning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. We know and believe that you are born again and we would like to start walking this journey with you. No matter where you are across the world, send a message on the number on your screen. If you're on radio, the number is 0775642449. If you're outside of the country, you add plus 2567756 Two four four nine. Let us know that you made a decision to follow Jesus. There's a pastor waiting to communicate with you and welcome you to the family of God and connect you to a loving family to start this journey with.
Thank you so much. Once again, thank you so much for joining us for Business Garage. It's been so powerful and inspiring. Go and do something. Maybe you're not able to start a company yet. Change a life of someone in your community. Take a child to school. Give someone an opportunity. Skill someone. Connect someone with ERA 92 or with an organization that you know empowers and skills young people and gives them hope. But don't do nothing about what you have heard today. Do something and let's change our world together and bring hope to others beyond ourselves, beyond your gate, beyond your house, beyond your cubicle, you can change the life of another person. We hope to see you again next week right here on Business Garage with another inspiring story of a social entrepreneur. And so we look forward to seeing you. Come, tune in early, bring a friend, share the link, encourage someone to join us. You never know whose heart you're going to change in the process. Of course, we look forward to seeing you at 9 a.m. as we start our series on others here at Worship Harvest on all our social media platforms and at all our locations. Come physically and let's worship and the others will see you again at 11.30 at any of our other locations. You're blessed. It's been great hanging out with you. One more time, give it up for Director Grace Munira and Trinity who has been so inspiring today. See you again next time. Bye. for listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555.